with us this morning. His name is Jacob Dunn, and you may know Jacob Dunn. He's been around here a few years, right? Um, I appreciate Pastor Jacob. Uh, he loves this church. He loves you. He loves the Lord, and um, you see a lot of what he does on the stage and different things, but you also, there are a lot of behind-the-scenes things that, that we don't see that Pastor Jacob does, and we just appreciate him and his ministry. So would you give him a good hand this morning and welcome him to Nortonsville Church of God. Thank you, Pastor Greg, for this opportunity to come and speak this morning, and our hearts and prayers certainly do go out to Ethel this morning um, as she, uh, Harlan was a great man, and, and we're going to miss him, uh, but he's in a better place, so. Our hearts and prayers are definitely with them. I uh, I have a little bit of youth pastor left in me, I think, and uh, and so this morning you have to bear with me uh, with this silly video that I'm I'm getting ready to show. I had to do it, um, but Amy, uh, I'm I'm just going to having trouble living right. Headed down the wrong path. Struggling to break old habits. Can do this all night. What you need is a good slap. Who are you? I'm your new extreme accountability partner. Is there anything you'd like to tell me? Get out of my house? What you've been watching? It's the History Channel. There's no naked people on the History Channel. At Slap, extreme accountability isn't just a job, it's an obsession. That's why we designed our patented Gentle Correction Slap Gun. How's that gentle? It's not a fist. What are your intentions with Lindsay? Sure, we've been known to go overboard on occasion. I just met her. We're just eating ice cream with the rest of our small group. But our philosophy is it's better to go overboard than underboard. What was that for? Um, gluttony. Strict lockdown accountability partners for all your extreme accountability needs. Don't like the way you're looking at her, Tom. That's my sister. Oh. Does she have a boyfriend? You got me. I deserve that one. If you're having trouble changing your ways, you might just need a good slap. We love our clients too much to let them ruin their lives. And believe me when I say that our gentle correction hurts us more than it hurts our clients. Most of the time. Hey, we all probably deserve to be slapped from time to time, don't we? You know, we live in a world and a nation that needs to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, they need to know what, what a loving God that we have and that he created us in his likeness. This world needs to know that there is a better way of life, a life of fulfillment, a life of purpose. This world needs to know that they need to know about the ways of God. But how are we going to share this news if we walk around offended by the world? How are we going to reach the lost if we are lost in religion? I'm not suggesting that we accept what is going on in the world today. But what I am saying is how can we expect sinners to act any other way? They, a sinner is going to act like a sinner. How are we going to share the good news with others 
if we only mention his name when we go to church. I want to open up with this text. This is in Matthew 6 and 12. And it says this, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I thank you for this word that we're about to receive today. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. Lord, that would go forth and pierce our hearts deep, Lord, that would get us thinking about our own lives and, and what we need to do to be more like you. We thank you, Lord, for your word and how it washes us and, and makes us clean. We give you all the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been to a foot washing service before. Has anybody ever been to a foot washing service? A good old-fashioned foot washing service. They used to do those back in the day. Uh, They don't do a lot of those these days. That's probably not in uh, COVID protocol. I don't know, foot washing service. Uh, But I went to a foot washing service one time years ago. I've been been to several since then. Years ago, I attended our annual Agape Love Service. Does anybody in this room remember the Agape Love? We got a few in here. Okay. The Agape Love Service that we used to do, we would sing songs. Marie would make her awesome bread. I remember that. Mm, that was good. And uh, we, would, we would partake in the Lord's Supper. And all the chairs were, were laid out. All the tubs were right in, in front there. And, and we would partner up. And, and I believe the guys went to one side and the girls went to the other side. And, uh, and we had a good old foot washing service. Well, Pastor Allison comes up to me and he asked to wash my feet. And the deal was, you know, he washed my feet, I washed his feet. So I sit in the chair and he begins to wash my feet and he begins to pray the most sincere prayer. And, and while he's praying, he's praying over my ministry and he's washing my feet and, and just keeps on washing my feet. And what I didn't tell him until recent years is I have ticklish feet, really ticklish feet. And, and this whole time he's, he's just praying. I mean, that man can pray. I thought he was never going to stop praying. And I was sitting up there in that seat just about to lose it. And thank goodness he prays with his eyes closed because I was sitting up there and, you know, just cringing because he was tickling my feet. But the, but the Bible talks about some, some foot washings. And uh, we read about Jesus and how he washed the disciples' feet. This, this was an act of humility. It was an act of servanthood. And for the disciples, Jesus was trying to set an example of how we need to treat one another. Washing the feet of the feet was not an unusual thing back then, but it was the job of the lowliest servants to wash their feet. And, and Jesus himself did this, and he, he set the example for his disciples. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 20 and 28, For even the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. There was another instance in the Bible that we're going to look at today about a foot, a foot washing that took place. And we're going to look at this text in, in Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 36. You're welcome to follow along on the screen or follow along in your Bibles. But this is Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And it says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral from that city 
heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. We'll stop right there. The first thing that I would like to point out in this story is that Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. The Son of God was invited to dinner at this Pharisee's house, and Jesus showed up. And while Jesus was eating dinner there, a sinful woman, most likely a prostitute, shows up, and she begins washing his feet and kissing his feet. And in this story, we also see that there were some other men that showed up as well. Can I tell you today that when you invite Jesus into your heart, when you invite Jesus into your home, when you invite Jesus into your family, Jesus will show up. Jesus shows up. Jesus will meet you there. Jesus shows up. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is ready to meet you where you're at. He desires a relationship with you, and Jesus is willing to meet you where you're at. So Jesus shows up. The second thing I take from this story is that Jesus knows what's up. So Jesus shows up, and Jesus knows what's up. There were other people sitting in the room watching all of this unfold, and and the Pharisee started having these thoughts about this this woman and and these thoughts about about Jesus and, and what was happening. And we read in verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. That's pretty cool, right? He answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. You see, being full of the Holy Spirit and full of discernment, there were times when Jesus knew what the people around him were thinking. And I love how Jesus responds to these people as we read in the Bible Jesus wasn't on a mission to correct the world. He wasn't on a mission to slap people and and tell them every time they were doing something wrong. But he always responded in truth and in love. He always responded in compassion. And can I tell you that we cannot compromise the truth. We We can preach the truth with love and compassion, but we never compromise the truth. One time... I knew a lady who, it seemed like it was their mission to tell me everything that I was doing wrong. I had a lady sit me down one time, and for 20 minutes, she drilled me and and told me everything she didn't like about me and everything she didn't like about my ministry. And she drilled me. And I sat there just appalled. And as I listened, it was just baffling what the things she was saying. And let's just say I didn't walk away from that conversation very encouraged. It didn't help anything. You know, it wasn't done out of love. It, wasn't, it, it was done out of frustration. It was done out of a critical spirit, and she had a spirit of offense. And over time, I realized that this person was just like that, and so I was able to brush it off. And just like the, the video that, that we watched, she was waiting to slap people anytime she didn't like something. And I learned a lot about that situation, about how not to act. 
In this text, we read about the Pharisee. The Pharisee is having these thoughts in his head and about what is happening, and he, he's questioning who Jesus really was. He questioned the motives of this woman, and little did Simon know that Jesus already knew what was happening. He knew. He knew. Jesus knew. He questioned the motives of Jesus and this woman. But Jesus, being the Son of God and full of discernment, knew what he was thinking. Jesus knew the motives, and Jesus knew the thoughts that this Pharisee was having. And, and we don't know his exact, it doesn't specify his exact motives for having Jesus over. Maybe, maybe the Pharisee was curious about who Jesus was. Maybe the Pharisee was jealous about who Jesus was. Maybe he had seen the miracles and he, he had heard what was going on with Jesus and, and he wanted to have him over. We don't know his exact motives, but I think Jesus knew exactly why he was invited to this man's house for dinner. We look at the sinful woman we don't know why this woman was there, but we do know that she was a notorious sinner, and most likely a prostitute. However, her sin was too great to continue, and so she, she sought an encounter with the holy Jesus. We need an encounter with the holy Jesus. We need a touch from Jesus, but Jesus knew what was up. And maybe she heard that that Je maybe she heard Jesus preach before, and she was drawn to Jesus. Maybe she was standing back and she was listening, and, and the guilt of her sin overcame her, and she began to cry. Maybe her own tears began to fall onto Jesus's feet, and she bent down to wipe them away, and and got carried away with emotion. Perhaps she realized the seriousness of her sin, and desired more than more what her life was giving her. We don't know why she showed up, but Jesus knew. And can I tell you that Jesus knows who you are? Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your motives. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows when you have good intentions. He knows when you have bad intentions. He might, you might be able to fool me, but you'll never fool God. You can't fool God. You can walk in this church and act holy, but Jesus knows who you really are. And what I love about this story is how the woman didn't disguise herself. As she's in the room, everyone in the room knew who she was. And they started having thoughts about, about this woman, but she didn't care. She was open and transparent, and she needed a touch from God. She needed a touch from the holy Jesus. See, we live in a... In a, a picture-perfect Instagram, Facebook world where we only want to show the good stuff. And I think we as a church need to stop trying, stop trying to hide who we are and, and stop trying to cover our faults and, and stop trying to act like we have it all together. It's time to confess our sins to God. It's time to confess our sins to one another. It's time to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to serve Jesus. Only then can, can God truly transform our lives. And who are we helping by not being real and transparent with each other? There's a funny saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And there's another part that goes like this, fool me nine times, fast and furious. <laughs> I knew the 11 o'clock service would, would get that joke. <laughs> 
Nine, nine o'clockers didn't get that. I, I had to explain that one. <laughs> but the next point that I want to make from this story is that Jesus cleans up. Jesus shows up. Jesus knows what's up. And Jesus has the power to clean up. And the part of this story that we can't overlook is how Jesus responded to the Pharisee. Jesus didn't get mad at the Pharisee for being a bad host. Jesus didn't cry and say, oh, you hurt my feelings. No, that's not what happened. Knowing what was in this man's heart, Jesus responded in love. He didn't respond in offense. We live in an offended world. People are looking for opportunities to express how offended they are. But we can look at Jesus' life as an example of how we should respond to others. Jesus loved people and had compassion for people. And he never compromised the truth. We cannot compromise the truth. Knowing this man's thoughts, knowing the severity of this woman's sins, and being the gentle, loving person that he was, he told a parable. And this is the parable. This is the story that he told. Luke 7 and 41. It says, Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This baffled the men at the table. Who is this man that he goes around forgiving people of their sins? This was a new concept for these men. A note in my Bible points out something very significant in verse 47. Her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown much love. And my note says this, it was, it was not that her love for Jesus caused him to forgive her, but that the forgiveness she had already received from Jesus prompted her love. Man, I just thought that was so powerful. Let me read that again. It says, it was not that her love for Jesus caused him to forgive her, but that the forgiveness she had already received from Jesus prompted her love. You see, forgiveness from God is not earned. 
You can't earn the forgiveness of God. You can't earn the love of God. It doesn't matter to Jesus where you've been or how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter if you owe a little debt or a big debt. It doesn't matter if you are a prostitute or if you're a drunk. It doesn't matter if you like to cheat, lie, or steal. Jesus Christ has the power to forgive your sins. Nothing you can ever do will change the fact that Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins. In fact, Jesus already paid the price for your sins to be forgiven. And he did this by laying his life down for you. So Jesus was speaking to two different types of people here. When we read this text, he's speaking to two groups of people. First, he's speaking to the sinner. He's speaking to the sinner. He was speaking to the person who has sinned horribly and is ashamed of their sin. Sometimes a person can be so ashamed of their sins and so ashamed of their past that they think there's no hope. They think that there's no recovery. They think, how can I be a Christian if I've messed up that bad? Can I tell you that there is hope? And stop thinking that way. My dad calls it stinking thinking. Stop thinking that way. Stop believing that you've messed up too bad. It's not too late. God isn't concerned that you've messed up. The love of God is not something that is earned, but the forgiveness of your sins has been justified by faith. That's called justification by faith. Justification by faith. You see, it's because of this that we can go in peace and sin no more. You see, when Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins... He's taking that burden off of your life. That's why he told the woman, go in peace. Go in peace because he forgave her of her sins. When you carry around your sins, there's a weight that you carry around with you. And that's what Jesus does when he forgives you. He takes that burden off. He takes it upon him, his shoulders and he carries that. The next group of people that he's speaking to is he's speaking to the saints This text is is speaking to the people that have it all together. He's speaking to the people in the church. The Pharisee was was a respected individual, a man of the written law. But for whatever reason, this man did not show hospitality to Jesus. And Jesus picked up on that. But Jesus, in, in a loving and compassionate way, reminded him that he had faults of his own. He had these thoughts about this one, but Jesus reminded him that he had thoughts. Say thoughts and thoughts. Two different words there. It's easy to point fingers at the people who aren't living right, isn't it? It's easy to, to be a sideline coach, is what I call it, and point at people who aren't living. But it takes the love of God to overlook a person's faults, <laughs> not thoughts, and show compassion to them. Anyways, this Pharisee was a respected individual. He was a man of the religious law, but can I tell you that religion will not save you. Paying your tithes will not save you. Coming to this church, sitting in a pew, will not save you. You can listen to to, uh, uh, Bethel Music or you can listen to Bill Gaither, and that is not going to save you. The only thing that is going to save you is the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves the church so much that he died for the church. But Jesus didn't come just to have an encounter with the righteous church folks. 
He didn't. In Luke 5 and 32, it says, I did not come to call the righteous, but the, sin- the sinners to repentance. He's calling the sinners. If you've been going to church so long that you're bored of church and, and you're bored of going through the motions and, and sitting in the pew, something in your life needs to change. <laughs> you're no longer just called to sit in a pew and listen. You're called to be a world changer. You're called to change the world and to shine your light. That's what's going to, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to change people's hearts. You're called to help serve people and to help spread the good news to sinners. And uh, I'll ask the praise team, you guys can go ahead and, and come forward. We simply need to show the love of Jesus to others, but at the same time, not compromise the truth. The Holy Spirit will be the one that does the work in a person's life. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit will be the one who does the work in a person's life. We talk about this in in Connect Track, about how there's the manifestation uh, of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the manifestation of people. And sometimes there's a manifestation of people that, that goes on. And I can tell you, you can try to your blue in the face, but the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that changes somebody's life. We act in obedience and, and we, we uh, speak the truth and we speak the gospel. We shine the light. And the Holy Spirit goes to work. And Jesus begins to clean up a person's life. It's crazy. You don't have, you don't have to tell people what's wrong with their life. But when they open the word of God, this reveals everything. Jesus cleans up our lives. In Acts 16, we read about a story of a woman named Lydia. She was a merchant who sold purple cloth. And one day she was sitting on the bank and Paul and Silas came over to the river bank and they began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as she listened, the Bible says that the Lord opened her heart. It was the Lord that did the work in her life. She accepted what Paul was saying. And the Bible says that her whole house was saved and they, they got baptized. There may be that mom. There may be that dad. There may be that one person that is waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And they take it back and, change, and it changes their whole family. We need to obey Christ. We need to obey the Great Commission and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we speak the truth of who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit takes over. And when we preach Jesus Christ crucified, the Holy Spirit takes over. When we share the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit goes to work in our lives. And when when a person accepts Jesus Christ into their life, the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to clean up their life. It's like the the song says, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. Maybe you're watching online on Facebook or, or YouTube or listening to our podcast you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, it's as simple as saying this, and everybody repeat after me. 
Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now, I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and my life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. This is a prayer that we pray, the prayer of salvation, but it's more than a prayer. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a prayer that we live. We don't just say it, but we live this prayer. It's, it's a life of, of trying to get to know Christ and to follow Christ and His ways. And I promise you, the Lord will change your life. If you said that prayer this morning, we want to know who you are. If you're watching online, comment. Send us a message. Let us know. We want to help you. We want to pray for you. Help disciple you. We want to know who you are. And if you said that prayer this morning, the Bible says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Amen. Can we just clap our hands? I believe somebody's received salvation today. Amen. The praise team's going to sing a song, and and I invite you, if you need prayer, you can come to the altar and um, worship with the praise team as they sing. Thank you. God bless.